You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. Well, we've come to the end of our teaching on waking up spiritually. And so my prayer for you guys, uh, and what my prayer has been, and what it's going to continue to be, uh, has been that amidst all of the distractions in your life, amidst the challenges of your family life, amidst the stresses of your career, amidst the struggles of all the sicknesses that have been going around over the past couple months, and I hate to say it, but the ones to come, you know, especially when you have young kids, it just seems like you have a week where your, you know, sickness comes into the home and you just think you're getting better for a week and then they go to daycare or school and, and bring something else back, right? How many of us have already been there, right, to that stage until immunities develop? But you know what? There's still lots going around in the, in the flu season. So amidst all the struggles of sickness, my, my prayer for you guys has been and will continue to be that you make the choice uh, to step out of your spiritual slumber in order to actively engage daily with God. You know, through Jesus, God has forgiven your sins. God has forgiven your sins. He's shone his light of truth into the world to give us life. He's a good father. And he's called you to wake up and dress yourself for the kingdom that he's leading you into. And so it's time to wake up and engage with God. Whether you've done so or whether you're still waiting now is the time to do so. And as we've discussed throughout the fall, waking up means walking in step with God himself, which is amazing to think that we actually can go through our days in relationship with God, who became present in your life through his spirit when you turn to him in faith. Waking up means listening to God's voice as he speaks to you through scripture, through the people that he's placed in your life, through the people that he's spoken through, and most clearly through his son. And then becoming so familiar with his voice that you're able to discern his voice from all of the other messages that we're bombarded with every day. This is what it means to wake up and engage in life with God. Waking up from your spiritual slumber is about finding freedom from things like fear and anxiety, Freedom from guilt and shame. Freedom from enslavement to sin that destroys you. Freedom which only comes as you come to know firsthand that God has overcome the world through Christ. That he's good and that he's merciful. These are just some of the freedoms that we find as we engage in life with God. Waking up spiritually is living with a profound awareness of God's grace. Living each day with this deep appreciation that, uh, of the fact that you are a recipient of God's unmerited favor in your life. That God has been generous to you. That God will continue to be generous to you. Not because of anything that you've done, but simply because it's in his good pleasure to be generous with you. That's who God is. Waking up spiritually is following God's direction by knowing and embracing his will for your life. As we talked about at the beginning of our hike last Sunday, God's will for our lives isn't so much about where he wants you to be in life or what specific activities he wants you to be involved with, but rather who he wants you to be. And God's will is that you become like Jesus in character. That you grow in the way of love, that you live generously, that you live faithfully and mercifully, giving your life for others, 
just as he gave his life for you so that you might have life. And then as you understand who God wants you to be and what his will is for your life, I hope then that you can use that knowledge of Jesus as a guide when trying to make those decisions about where you should be in life and what you should be involved with. Asking questions such as, you know, where am I thinking, or where I'm thinking of going and what I'm thinking of doing? Does it align with who God wants me to be? Because that's how we know what we should and shouldn't do and what we should and shouldn't take on. Questions such as, what is the heart behind my decision? You know, whose interest am I serving in taking on this role at work or this role in the community? Will I have time to serve others if I pursue this goal? Or will I begin to resent my calling from God? Or will I begin to resent the church Or as I find myself worn out by the commitments I've taken on while still trying to serve others? Are you waking up and engaging in life with God? If not, then I want to challenge you not to wait any longer, but to wake up from your spiritual slumber and engage in life with Him. If you started strong this fall, you know, but then stumbled at some point, just get up and keep going. This isn't to make you uh, think of yourself as a failure. The goal is that we just turn back to God and we continue to press on towards that which he's called us to. Because God has shone his light of life into the world. So it's time to wake up. To wrap up our series this morning, as you can hear, our kids are practicing for Christmas already, which is awesome. And we'll get to hear more about that. We'll all know the song by Christmas and we can sing along with them, right? To wrap up our series this morning, I want to talk to you about waking up to God's mission in life. Waking up to God's mission in life. Every one of us, every single one of you sitting here this morning has a God-given mission for your life. For the time that you have here on earth, you have a God-given mission. And there are a couple of places in Scripture where we gain a clear understanding of what God's mission is for our lives. The first one is when Jesus uh, was, was uh, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he was teaching and his followers gathered around him. And he said to them in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and you've heard this verse before, I'm sure. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so Jesus' point here was that like salt, which is intended to have an impact on everything that it comes in contact with, I love salt. How many of you love salt? Salt is better than sugar. Just saying. It is. Salt is intended to have an impact on everything it comes in contact with, from preserving to seasoning things such as meat, which is also one of God's greatest gifts. Right? (laughs) No offense to vegetarians. We love you too. Because we have to. Because we, we love Jesus. Just kidding. <laughs> As they walk out the door. Just kidding. Uh, and, and like a light that's intended to have an impact on everything it comes in contact with by illuminating it, followers of Jesus are intended by God to have an impact on the people we come in contact with while on this earth. We're meant to be like salt and light. We are the salt and light of the earth. 
In the second place, we get this clear sense of our mission in life is in Matthew 28, 19, another popular verse where Jesus said to his disciples before ascending back to the Father in heaven, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, Jesus' followers have a mission, a God-given mission in life. That as we go about our lives on earth, and as we impact people with the love of God in our lives, we point people, we don't just live as a light or salt, as an example to influence them by association, but we actually talk to people about God and point them back to the source of love, which is Jesus himself. And teach them to follow him as well so that they may be reconciled to God and have life to the full which God gives us by his grace. So as followers of Jesus, we have this God-given mission for the time that we have here on earth. And to be awake to God's mission then, it's to live with an awareness of God's mission for our lives and give our lives daily to the fulfillment of it. Right? It's one thing to have a mission, but we're talking about waking up, right? So just because you have a mission doesn't mean that it's in your mind at all, right? So, but to wake up to God's mission is to live with an awareness of God's mission, right? And then also give our lives daily to the fulfillment of it. So this morning, I want to share three ways that we can give our lives to the fulfillment of God's mission. First of all, we give our lives to God's mission by loving and following Jesus, and you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with my mission? Well, we're going to talk about that. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, Jesus said in Luke 6, 43 to 45, he said, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick uh, figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus' point in both these verses or these passages is that the actions of your life are a reflection of what your heart is devoted to. The actions of your life, what comes out of your life, is a reflection of what's going on inside of your heart. And so if you depend on God's mercy and grace each day, if you live in his love, then the seeds of God's love will grow out of your life with the fruit of love visible to those around you. But if your heart is devoted to your own interests and if what you care about most in life is getting ahead, getting recognition, getting more, or if you forget the fact that you're dependent on God's grace in order to even have life, it doesn't matter what you claim to know about God. The fruit of your life or what grows out of your life and what people encounter every day will be a a reflection of whatever is going on inside you, whatever your heart is devoted to. But we have a God-given mission to impact people with the character of God. So it matters, first of all, above all else, what's going on inside of us. It matters most of all, before we can be missional, to make sure that our heart is devoted to Christ if we're trying to make people aware of who Christ is. 
So we must remain devoted to God in order for his character to be what, to be what people encounter in our lives by engaging in life with God each day, allowing his values to shape our values, his motives to become our motives, his guidance to teach us self-discipline, his self-sacrifice and generosity to become our way of life, his mercy to become what we extend to others and his faithfulness to us, even in the midst of our failures, to become faithfulness that flows out of our lives, even in the midst of the failures of others that come into contact with us each day. We give our lives to God's mission by loving and following Jesus because our mission is for people to encounter the character of God. Not just theological statements, not to be converted to a religion called Christianity, but to actually encounter the character of God in and through our lives. And the only way for our lives to become a reflection of God's love is for our hearts to be devoted to and overcome by the love of God himself. Secondly, we give ourselves to God's mission by loving one another. Jesus said in John 13, 34 to 35, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if... And I always say this, what? If you carry a Bible around with you, if you have a Christian fish on your car, right? if you listen to Hillsong, that's not how people know that you are a disciple of Christ. He says, if you love one another. We said at the last point that people encounter God in their lives through our interactions with them as we come across them. But what we see here is that in our relationships with one another in the church, those relationships that we have with each other are also a reflection of God's character in our lives. So much so that Jesus said that this is how people would know that we're his disciples. I've told you before that I once had a friend, I still have that friend, same friend, but I once had a friend outside of the church who we began to invite into a group of friends who were believers. And shortly after hanging out in that group of people, he made the statement, I've never seen a group of people who genuinely seem to love and care for each other so much. And what he was recognizing is what the church is supposed to be. He was recognizing the love of Christ in us. The love of Christ that he saw in our interactions between one another. The grace, the encouragement that he saw between people in Christ. See, how we treat one another in the church matters when it comes to our mission. Because people watch the church, and they notice things. And if the church isn't devoted to one another, and if the church is fighting with each other, we fail in our mission to impact the world with the character of God. Now, you've heard me stress a number of times. I've stressed the importance of coming to church regularly and being devoted to one another. Because if someone who is searching for God comes into the church and they see that people just show up whenever they feel like it, either that means whenever in the morning they feel like it, it's like, I'll come for the last 15 minutes. Or they come and they see someone, they meet someone, and then they, they come every week and they don't see that person until six weeks later. Or if they come in and they see that people just rush out without talking to one another in the church, then we fail as a church to reflect the character of God by being faithful and devoted to one another. See, our faithfulness and our devotion for, to one another is important for each other. 
Yeah, I need to come in and be encouraged by you guys sometimes. And I hope that I can somehow encourage you as well as we gather together each week and nudge each other forward and point each other back to Christ and say, it's okay, we can keep doing this. And then we throw each other back out into the world, right? And stay in touch with each other even throughout the week to, to, to spur one another on. But uh, uh, on top of that, the way that we treat one another and the way that we are devoted to one another actually becomes a reflection of God's love to those who might come in and witness the love amongst us. And so it's so, so important. Our lives, our relationships with one another are a reflection of Christ in us. And we want people to see Christ in us so that they can turn not to us and what we've accomplished here as an organization, but they can turn to the source of all of this, which is Christ himself, and find life in him as well. Thirdly, we give ourselves to God's mission by telling people about Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 10, verses 8 to 15. He said, The word is near to you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim, which is if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom, they, of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And when Paul was saying the word is near to you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart, what he was saying is that as followers of Jesus, we carry around with us the knowledge of truth that God has made available to us. You know, we're not carrying around some you know, enlightenment that we've somehow achieved because we come to church every day or because we meditate. The truth is that God has made himself known to the entire world through Jesus. We've been fortunate enough to come to know who God is because we, we once heard about Jesus. And, we, and as we come to know who Jesus is, we know who God is. And so when Paul says the word is near to you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart, he's saying, as followers of Jesus, we carry around with us the knowledge of God's love and salvation. We carry that around with us. It's in our minds, it's in our hearts. We possess that and we carry it around with us each day. And not only that, he says, that's for all people, that anyone in the whole world who, who turns to God and, and, and accepts his grace, they receive salvation. It's for all people. But then he goes on to say, but how will anyone call on God and turn to him if we don't share what we know about God with people? If we don't actually tell them about what is going on in our lives and what God has revealed to the world through Christ. If we don't share what we know, those who don't yet know will never know if we don't tell people what God has done. Which is why Paul concludes that by saying that it's a beautiful thing. It says the feet are beautiful. If you're not a foot person, that's not the point. The point is that it's a beautiful thing when someone takes what they know about God and shares it with someone out of love for those people so that they can know about God's amazing love for them as well. Similarly, Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be prepared 
to just set an example for people? No, we, the scripture does call us to set an example, but he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And so in both examples, the point is that in order to fulfill our God-given mission in this world, we actually need to talk to people about God. We actually need to talk to people about him. Telling them what God has done and why they have hope in this life or why we have hope in this life and why they can too. Now I understand that, that telling people about God and talking about Jesus can be incredibly intimidating. But you need to understand as followers of Jesus that this isn't a duty to make religious converts. We're not just simply trying to convert people to a world religion. It's simply a testimony of your own experience with Jesus himself. When you've personally encountered Christ and your words will become an authentic expression of what God has done in your life. It's not about memorizing some formula or you know, thing that you need to say to people. All you need to share with people is what God has shown you through Jesus and how that has impacted your life. So the question is, what has God done in your life? How has he changed you? How has he guided you through uh, the ups and downs of your life? And how have you failed in your life and yet experienced the mercy of God in profound ways? I know that I have. And these are the things that I can comfortably share with people because it's not about me at all. It's not about me having some type of, you know, deep intellectual apologetic argument, you know, so that I can be the next, uh, you know, apologist and, and convince people that God is real. All you need to do is think about your own life and what God has done in your life and tell people about it. Because in doing so, you're pointing people to the source of anything good that's ever happened in your life. Because each of us has a God-given mission in life, to share what God has given us in Christ with the rest of the world around us. And to be awake to God's mission is to be, uh, to be alert, to be mindful, to, be, uh, to, to keep in mind that we do have a mission from God and then give our lives to fulfill it on a daily basis, no matter where we are. Recognizing that, that, that what comes out of our lives at work and in our families at the grocery store, at a restaurant. Everything we do is intended to be a reflection of the love of God that should be in our hearts if we're devoted to God himself, right? By loving and obeying Jesus, by loving one another, and by telling people about what God has done for us and for the world, people come to know about God's love for them. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. As a church, we say it this way, we exist so that all people can find and embrace life in Christ. How many of you heard me, have heard me say that before? As a church, we exist so that all people can find and embrace life in Christ. But you need to understand that this isn't the mission of an organization called Hillspring. As a follower of Christ in this world, this is the mission of the body of Christ. This is your mission. Do you understand? That you and I exist in this world so that all people can find and embrace life through Christ. That is your mission in this world. And Hillspring just began with a group of people who were aware, who became aware of God's given mission, God, our God-given mission as followers of Jesus. And then we described the mission in those words, but it's really just the mission of every follower of Christ. We exist so that all people, all people in this world, can find and embrace life through Christ. And each one of you here this morning shares in that mission, not because you go to Hillspring, 
but because you're a follower of Jesus. I have, actually have something for you this morning. I have something for you this morning that I want to give you to remind you of that, okay? So if you can take these and pass them. I hope I have enough for everyone. Maybe take one for household because I don't know how many people need multiple fridge magnets. <laughs> Nine years ago, we, we started services in the school. And I don't know if, you re- if you've been around since then. The first year, we really wanted to emphasize um, scripture in our lives and the fact that we needed to look to scripture to hear God's voice and shape who we are. And so every month we gave out a different fridge magnet that had a piece of scripture on it. And some of you put up your hand if you still have the side of your fridge covered with fridge magnets from that era, okay? And uh, so this is a new one. And it's not a new phrase, but on it it says our mission, so that all people can find embrace and embrace life in Christ. And my challenge for you is to take this home Uh, to stick it on your fridge in a place where you can see it every day before you go out the door to remind yourself that, you know, Hillspring Church is just a local collection of people that are part of the body of Christ, right? That's where we attend. That's where we gather together. But as a follower of Jesus, along with all of the other followers of Jesus throughout the world, you exist so that all people can find and embrace life in Christ, and the only way you're going to do that is if you love and obey Christ, you, you follow him, let him change your heart. As you remain devoted to one another uh, in this local expression of faith and you, you, you give your lives to each other, and as you actually start to talk about what God has done in your life with those around you, God will use your life to accomplish his purpose in this world so that others in this life and then this world can come to know who he is, okay? So as you do that, stick it on your fridge and look at it every day. Don't ever grow tired. Don't ever just stop walking by it and ignoring it. You know, remind yourself every day of your life that you have a God-given mission to make God known through your life, okay? Would you stand with me? And we're gonna move into a time of communion. No, we're not. <laughs> okay, we're gonna pray. <laughs> Apparently they had a conversation we didn't have supplies. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. And God, you are a God who had a mission to reconcile us to yourself. That even though you knew that we would rebel against you, God, you created us and you sent a Savior to forgive our sins, to reconcile us to yourself, God, to show us the truth and lead us every day in your love so that we can have life to the full. You are a good God. And God, you've entrusted us with, uh, with a mission that, that once we know who you are and what you've revealed through your son, we carry that around, God, as an ambassador of you. And so God, I pray that each of us would leave this morning with, uh, with an awareness of the mission that you have for us and that we'd be intentional about the way we seek you and be changed by you and the way that we live our lives in relationship with one another. And I pray that you would lead us by your spirit, God, to have the courage to speak uh, the truth about who you are to people, God, in a way that is loving and merciful, we pray. God, use us in the city and and anywhere that we are, are found throughout the week, God, to accomplish your purposes, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for being.